Welcome to episode 19 of Mancy, a podcast about magic and the fucked up shit people did with it. I'm R.J. Walker. I'm a spoken word poet and writer. With me is my co-host, L. I'm L. Alder, a professional psychic and a solitary eclectic witch. Last week, we went over the life and times of Michel de Nostradamus, or as we know him, Nostradamus. He was one of the most accomplished plague doctors of the 1500s, pioneering revolutionary treatments like showering, washing your hands, taking vitamin C, and eating a healthy diet. (laughs) Crazy. Things that seem common sense to us, but somehow baffled physicians uh, at Nostradamus' alma mater who insisted that bloodletting and mercury were the only real cures to the plague. After Nostradamus' wife and children died of the plague, he began to deepen his interest in the occult, and after remarrying to a big old pile of money, he (laughs) began performing divination using hydromancy and astrology to write almanacs for each year. The almanacs became so popular with the nobility that even the queen took notice, asking Nostradamus to do horoscopes for her children. Yeah. That was Nostradamus' biography. But his predictions would long outlive him. The final edition of his magnum opus, Les Prophecies, is said to have contained a prediction of the death of King Henry II of France. Of course, Nostradamus wrote all his predictions in verse, specifically quatrains, which consist of four lines that sometimes rhyme. His cryptic prophecies have been mulled over every year, and some say Nostradamus has predicted some of the most pivotal moments in history. After we talk about Nostradamus' predictions, Elle is going to perform hydromancy in the same fashion Nostradamus did, but with an edgy twist. <laughs> We're going to use monster energy drink instead of water. <laughs> Specifically, we're going to use monster hydro for hydromancy. It's basically caffeinated Gatorade. Um, (laughs) This is part two of our coverage of hydromancy, divination by water. Now we discussed um, Nostradamus' prediction about King Henry II in part one, but some believe that Nostradamus also predicted the Great London Fire of 1666. Oh, The blood of the just will commit a fault at London. Burnt through lightning of twenty-threes the six, the ancient lady will fall from her high place. Several of the same sect will be killed. Twenty times uh, three plus six equals 66. So they believe he's referring to the year 1666, which is when the Great Fire of London began. It started at a bakery, though, so not quite like Divine Lightning or yeah. it's like a, a bakery. Uh, the fire burned through most of the slums, destroying more than 13,000 homes. Hmm. Uh, the ancient lady, they believe, is perhaps St. Paul's Cathedral which Mm -hmm. burned, and the same sect are the 87 other churches which burned. Oh, okay. Which I think is, uh, it's a little bit of a stretch. I can imagine, like, somebody, like, their tinfoil hat on, just being like, 23 is a 6, if you multiply this, if the math works this way, then that validates my belief, and he predicted it! He predicted the Great Fire of London! 
But you know. Okay. What is that guy on Fox News who talks like that? Or Alex Jones? All right, Alex Alex Jones. Jones. Yeah. He's not on Fox, but he does talk like that. (laughs) Um, Nostradamus may have also predicted the French Revolution. The quatrain people look to for this prediction reads thusly. Songs, chants, and demands will come from the enslaved, held captive by the nobility in their prisons. At a later date, brainless idiots will take these as divine utterances. And to recap what we went over in our pilot on uh, Lenormand and Cardamancy... Um, the French Revolution involved the common folk revolting against the monarchy and the nobility, beheading most of them. In the end, many of the revolutionaries were also beheaded. And I actually read this quatrain to L. I read this to you mm-hmm. um, before we recorded, and I was like, okay, this just seems so vague. L, read you this quatrain, and then you tell me what moment in history it's predicting. And you did accurately say it was about the French Revolution. Yeah. I mean, I think because... Um, RJ was like, is he the goat? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I would want to sit down and look at his prophecies. I'd want to read them. And so RJ read me this one and I was like, um, the French Revolution? Because it it sounds like it. It's like, that's, yeah. I found another translation of this quatrain that makes it a little more obvious that it's the French Revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, but that could be bias on the translator's part in already believing that it's the French Revolution. Mm-hmm. But that translation goes, From the enslaved people, songs, chants, and demands. Princes and lords are held captive in prisons. In the future, these will be received by headless idiots as divine prayers. Which... I mean, headless definitely is more French Revolution-y than brainless. Yeah. I mean, so I think because the thing that I thought of when I heard it was when we were talking about this, that I think Les Mis, because Les Mis is about the French Revolution. And we, I think, just kind of as a world and a culture view that as like kind of the ultimate storytelling of it in a lot of ways. And it's a musical, so song and chants and people dying anyway. Yeah, so maybe Nostradamus didn't predict the French Revolution. He predicted um, the our that, perspective of that, it after the fact. Well, he predicted that Les Mis would be a Broadway hit. Um. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think so. I just I think predictions um, about the events, but also the perception of the events after the fact, are, is just as important for us to understand them. So, um. There's actually a further spookiness regarding Nostradamus and the French Revolution. Legend goes that before his death, he made the townsfolk swear never to disturb his grave. However, during the French Revolution, he was exhumed. You know, just another grave of another noble that we can Mm -hmm. loot while everybody hates them and nobody will judge us. However, they found the body of Nostradamus had been, like, strangely laid to rest in a standing position. (laughs) So he wasn't, like, buried or, like, in a sarcophagus. He was just kind of, like, standing there, like, harumphy. Like, you know, like, show it to you fuckers. <laughs> it's like looking at I was waiting. As they, as they come in, yeah, like he was waiting for them. And in front of him was a brass plate engraved with like a curse upon those who would disturb his grave, calling them wicked and unfaithful people. And then beneath the, the like 
monologue about like, hey, I said don't dis- disturb my grave, you douchebags. I know that you're wicked and stupid and dumb. Mm. Uh, and, and underneath all that is the exact date the grave robbers had exhumed him. So they read that and they were like – Oh, no. (laughs) I just deeply want to know if they were actually cursed. Like, if that was, like, the thing that happened. I mean, they were living through the French Revolution, so. Yes. Kind of. Aren't we all cursed in America now? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But before we go on to more quatrains, uh, I have an extra spell brought to you by nobody. 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 We don't have a sponsor for this episode. Mitski's song, Nobody, actually <laughs> sponsored this. But that sponsor could be you if you send a donation to at Dollar Compliments on Venmo. The last extra spell was about trial by water. But there's more than just sinking and floating um, babies in the river <laughs> when it comes to the trial by water. There was also trial by boiling water. There's a legend that the Catholic saint Hyacinth began as he like challenged this like Aryan priest to a god contest. Um, And the challenge was grabbing a stone from the bottom of a cauldron of boiling water. Jesus. According to the legend, Hyacinth was able to complete the task within an hour. When the Aryan priest tried, his flesh boiled up to his elbow. Just like what? Slid off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But because of this legend, starting in the 12th century, it was used as a trial to determine whether or not someone had sinned. Uh, the suspect would receive a stone or a ring, and it would be dropped into a pot of boiling water. They, If they could not retrieve the object, they would be found guilty. If they did retrieve the object, and if their wounds did not heal in three days, they would also be found guilty. If they were innocent, God would allow them to perform the task and then heal their wounds after. Hmm. So personally... Um, I think we should just stick with the scrying bowl. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't know yeah. about that. Yeah, I don't know if you want to reach as a into test some, of worthiness. Reach into some boiling. Um, water. you know who could probably do it very successfully? Doug. <laughs> Doug could yes. do it. Doug could do it. I uh, yes. Oh my god! So like. We had been wanting to go to Outback Steakhouse for <laughs> like a while because Elle mentioned that they have great gluten-free options and mm-hmm. Elle is gluten-free. So we're always looking for places to go eat. And by looking for places to go eat, I mean Del Taco pretty much all the time. Yeah, that's um, kind of the only <laughs> fast food I can eat. <laughs> yeah, and like in Utah on Sundays, it's the only thing that's open. Um, yeah. But – we finally go to Outback and like out- it's been like three weeks we've been trying to go. Like we rolled up the day after Christmas and we were like, nobody's gonna be here. And it was fucking packed. And we were like, Nope, COVID can't do it. Yeah. So we finally go and we're at Outback and like there's only two left in this entire state, <laughs> uh Outback Steakhouse. And uh we get there and I'm like Finally, we're getting a blooming <laughs> onion down under. Yes. And uh, <laughs> our server is this goober named Doug. And he was honestly, 
he's doing his best. Yeah. He's been doing this work for a long time. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point, I think he does. He stopped giving a fuck. Um, yeah. I think or, that or happens. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he he first thing he does is like fucking um, keep talking to us. Or like I a just want to eat, and he would just keep talking. And uh, one of our one of our roommates had uh, like a little floaty in his water, mm-hmm. and so he was like, "Could I get a new water? This one has a floaty." And Doug was like, "Oh yeah, you know what that probably is? Is uh, it's the nozzle we use to do the Coca Cola uh, is the same nozzle we use for the water, and sometimes the sugar gets like a little crystalline cr- uh, crusty on it, and that goes into people's water. So it's nothing that you need to worry about. It's just a little crystalline thing." And we were like, we're "Okay, like, okay, we'll just take yeah, that new water." Though didn't need the explanation, but okay. And then he's like, "You know, when I was a bartender in Tennessee." <laughs> He starts going off on this oversharing story. He's like, when I was a bartender in Tennessee, uh, I was bringing out a couple of margaritas uh, and, you know, they got sugar around the edge. You know, it's really attracted to sugar. Gnats, they can't help it. They just love sugar. Gnats love sugar. So I bring them the margarita and right as I'm about to bring it to him, this gnat just like kamikaze dives into the margarita. And the guy's like, oh, I'm not going to drink that. And I'm like, dude, it's not like you watched me put a gnat in it. You know where you it came from. You saw it came from. You watched me walk over here. Yeah, and then he's like, of course I'm going to get you a new one. Then somebody else was like, I'll have that tequila, Doug, because tequila kills everything. And we were just like, go away. <laughs> Come back with the water. Please <laughs> stop. Sign up please, Doug. Please, Doug. We please. just wanted to eat our blooming onion, which is not gluten-free, by the way. I and then he that, brings but... me, because I ordered a mac and cheese side uh, because I was feeling like I wanted to live deliciously. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's in like this a hot skillet, and he's like, careful, the plates are really hot. Uh, don't touch them. And he grabs this metal skillet with his bare hand and just puts it in front of me. And then I touch it. And I'm like, how did he fucking do that? He must not have nerves in his hand. He could retrieve the stone from the boiling water. He could. Like hyacinth. I think the better thing was after he told us the story about the gnat and the margarita, we had kind of made a joke about how he probably tells that story all the time. And we were like. The manager was like, God damn it, Doug. Did you tell them the goddamn gnat story again? Learn some new stories. Nobody wants to hear that And one. then straight up Doug got sent home in the middle yeah, of he's, serving he's, us. He's like, I'm cut for the night, but Mackenzie's going to take good care of you. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, like did, okay. did Doug just get fired? Yeah. Did like we, we don't. Get Doug fired? I don't. Been talking but, shit about Doug at this table? Yeah. Right. Because it happened right in front of us. I literally watched his manager be like, you're going to go home. And Doug was like, okay, thanks. Cool. And like said good. It was just this whole. It was an experience. You know, it's one of the last Outback Steakhouses, so it's only the most, like, dedicated, like, servers there. Like, we got no place else to go. And this every the like last, the last haven for us. Every single, like, person working there had some sort of weird thing about they them. They had a quirk. Yeah, had- like, the host had this, like, nightmare before Christmas mask that did not fit him. But, like, you could tell he insisted on wearing it because his mom made it for him. Like, And there was the guy with, like, the weird mushroom top haircut. Yeah. That was just, like, it's a very bizarre haircut that makes him... I don't know, look like he's from like a 15th century like monk, basically. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It was definitely like, you know, but you know what? 
the bloomin' onion was delicious and the mac and cheese was good. And then I made curry with the leftover steak. So yeah, it was, it was good. It was, good. It was, it was good. It was a good trip, and we got to meet this magical being. <laughs> I don't know that I would go back to have Doug wait on us, but if I ever needed to, he'd you know be what? there. It's the only Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> so, like, yeah. where else are we going to go if we want the flavors of Down Under? <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, their gluten-free menu was shockingly sad, I have to be honest. You expect me to order Vegemite from oh, Amazon? Oh, my God. So, one of the things that Doug did that was so weird was I ordered a steak, like, just a small steak, and they did not really have good sides. I can't eat, like, salads. I can't eat. I, I just can't eat most things. Like, if, if you're like, oh, this person could eat this, I probably can't eat it. And so I was, like, looking at the sides, and there was a baked potato. And I was like, okay, I would like a baked potato. And he was like, all right, you get one more side. And I was like, well, what are your vegetables? And it was, like, one of those stupid fucking, like, Like the steamed mixes. from a bag. Yeah, steamed from a bag, mix. like squash, broccoli, and carrots. And I was like, you know what, Doug, can I just not have an extra side can we just do the baked potato and the steak and he was like you know what i'm going to do you know what i'm going to do i'm going to get you two baked potatoes and i'm going to put one of them in a to-go box and then you can take it home and then you can have it tomorrow and i was like okay the baked potato is still in the fridge yeah it's still in the fridge i'm not gonna eat it it was like odin giving us the limb and now (laughs) we're like we can't get rid of it (laughs) we're burdened with this baked potato he brought it so early he brought it before and even our blooming onion like our literal appetizer hadn't even come and he was like i brought you the baked potato and he was so excited he's like i put everything on the side i put the sauces on the side and by sauces he meant the butter and sour cream which are not sauces they're like toppings anyway it just i was just like doug i don't need this can we just not waste food like that's the thing is i just try to not waste food and now we just have a not while potato. doug's around it was yeah he did talk like that that was kind of how he sounded he it was sounded so kind of like weird. this like a henchman he sounded like a henchman yeah it was like it was lightly accented but it was bizarre anyway yeah ring that <laughs> that's our story this extra spell about <laughs> Doug and Hyacinth, the 12th century saint or whatever, was brought to you by nobody. nobody uh, there's no sponsor. Nobody. But you could help sponsor the episode by, you know, helping make the show happen. It costs $27 a month just to host the podcast, just to allow the episodes to exist. I like that RJ internet. wants to beg for money from everyone. And it's okay. We can afford the $27. But if you wanted to help us, that'd be dope. Speak for yourself. <laughs> not to mention uh, all the time effort and love we put into each episode there's uh, also the cost of audio equipment and the cost of the magic stuff and supplies we use so if you'd like to support the show you can send us a donation to at dollar compliments on venmo that would help keep this party rolling and allow us to do some crazier more expensive mancies yeah, we're going to build the psychomantium if yeah. we get enough. If we get enough donations. We would have to, like, buy a building in which to put it in. Um, but maybe a if you unit. have we'll a We'll just building. get a storage unit. Oh, my God. And it would turn be the- it into a psychomantium. <laughs> Imagine going and, like, touring storage units and, like, looking around. And, you know, like, the little closet ones. I would be like, 
yeah, yeah. No, this will be good. This will be good. Imagine and- Storage Wars <laughs> buying it and they open it and it's just like this spooky fucking like dark room with a mirror and a single candle and a and chair. just a chair. But like not even a good chair. Like one of the metal chairs that has like the two inches of foam padding that's never oh, enough padding. They'd be so mad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I like I think the thing because um, I am not a very... I'm not like a spooky psychic. Like I don't go through my life being spooky, uh-huh. um, but I can I can definitely turn it on. And so I would just you know like go through the tour and we'd get to the closet and I would just look in the corners and I would be like, the ghosts are here. Okay, <laughs> the ghosts are here. Yeah, yeah. And I would just turn around with really big eyes and be like, we'll take it. It needs to be this unit though. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, anyway. Uh, every storage unit landlord I know would be like, fuck it, I don't care if you do it. Yeah, like, here. fuck it, I guess. Just, like... just, just don't be a corpse. Just don't <laughs> let make me clean up a corpse. And yeah, fine. that's fine. Um... <laughs> <sighs> All right, L, here's another quatrain. This one should be pretty easy. What do you think this quatrain is about? Okay. An emperor will be born near Italy who will cost the empire dearly. It will be said when his allies are seen that he is less a prince than a butcher. Oh, for sure. That's Hitler. No, Mussolini. Is it Mussolini? No. Oh, Napoleon Bonaparte. It's, it's Napoleon, yeah. It's, it's three guesses. You got it at Napoleon. Um, I didn't know he was born near Italy. I don't think he was. Okay. Um, I was like, because Mussolini is often regarded as, well, I mean, he's like the pre-Hitler Hitler. So Yeah, honestly, uh, I think Mussolini would make more sense for that. Yeah. But a lot of people attribute that to be about Napoleon. Um was he, and, was like a butcher, like a nickname of Napoleon? Well, he just, uh, you know, arm, I mean, yeah. armied and murdered and yeah. Uh, so Napoleon actually appears quite a few times in Nostradamus's prophecies. And he even predicts Napoleon's fate before Lenormand predicted mm, it. Okay. The great empire will soon be exchanged for a small place, which will soon begin to grow. A small place of a small area, in the middle of which he will come to lay down his scepter. And as we know, Napoleon was exiled to a tiny island, uh, exchanging his empire for a small place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then he would, of course, you know, leave uh, to try to start again and then get exiled even further. (laughs) So are most of um, Nostradamus's predictions like based around French history because that would make sense to me honestly that would make sense that he would focus on like the French parts because he was French and he was doing all this in did France. he travel like outside of the country or mostly yeah, just in around France? like Italy like mostly just Europe though yeah I would think I my I guess my point is I don't know that he'd be predicting like things about American futures because it seems like a lot of his accurate ones are based on French history well, um, they say he did predict the atomic bomb in Hiroshima and mm-hmm. Nagasaki. And we'll talk about that in a bit. But uh, what I want to talk about is how Nostradamus was said to have predicted three antichrists. 
Mm-hmm. The first being Napoleon. Mm-hmm. The second is believed to be Adolf Hitler. Mm-hmm. And the quatrain that leads people to you know, believe that he predicted Hitler is from the depths of the west of Europe. A young child will be born of poor people. Mm. He who by his tongue will seduce a great troop. His fame will increase towards the realm of the east. Mm, yeah, mm. that would be Hitler. Yeah, it's, it sounds very Hitlery. I just feel like the first one is referring to Mussolini and not Napoleon, but okay. Uh, there's more, though, uh, because uh, Nostradamus predicted the great battle in Berlin and the ultimate fall of Hitler mm. um, with, with this little quatrain. Beasts wild with hunger shall cross the rivers. Most of the fighting shall be done close by the hister. It shall result in the great one being dragged in an iron cage while the Rhine child of Germany will observe. Ooh. Many people believe that Hister is just a misspelling or a misinterpretation of Hitler, but it's actually just another name for the Danube River in Germany. Oh. Um, the Rhine, another river in Germany. Yeah. And the iron cage could refer to Hitler's bunker. The, oh. the beasts wild with hunger most We're, likely are the American and Russian troops who began looting the fuck out of Berlin. Well, Germany didn't have any money or any food. Like people towards the end of the World War II of World War II in Germany were starving. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? They looted the fuck. Like th- there's a famous photo of a stage photo of the Russians putting a flag over, I think it was the Reichstag building. Mm-hmm. Uh, and – the soldier that was putting the flag out had like 20 watches on each arm yeah. that he had just stolen. And uh, the Russian government was like – got went to the photographer and they were like, what the fuck? You have to fix this. You can't know that we looted the fuck out of Berlin because that makes us look bad. <laughs> but that's what the but that's, that's what happened. And American was... and Russian alike just looted the fuck out of – just like grabbed shit. And they were like, it's my souvenir. Yeah, well, they also think that, like, thought that basic German people were Nazis that were in the camps. Like, there's, I don't know, like, it's so complicated. But, yeah, like, fuck it. Also, war totally dehumanizes people. And that's, all of this just, like, talking about history just reminds me, like, how little regard humans have for other human life consistently throughout the entirety of history. People did not give one single fuck about other people besides their little teeny tiny group of people that they've deemed to be worthy of their consideration. Uh, Nostradamus had even more significant to the Nazis, though. During the Nazi invasion of France, they began a misinformation campaign by spreading leaflets with fake Nostradamus prophecies on them predicting the defeat of France. Mm. Hitler was actually a bit of a Nostradamus fan along with other top members of the Nazi leadership uh, because of, you know, like their connection to occultism. Uh, They figured that Nostradamus being French, he would obviously predict Nazi success. You don't actually have to read it. You already know. He predicted that the Nazis would succeed. Um, And so they just kind of pretended that he did and uh, started spreading these leaflets. The Allies actually responded with their own misinformation campaign. (laughs) <laughs> which included other fake Nostradamus prophecies that basically just said, nuh-uh. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, propaganda, though, right? Yeah. right? So the Germans were like, 
um, Nostradamus predicted our success. And the Americans were like, Nostradamus says, nuh-uh. <laughs> and uh, the, the other thing that the um, allies did was create a film titled Nostradamus Says So. Uh, that was about okay. Nostradamus predicting the fall of the the Nazis. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, let's talk about um, Nostradamus and the the bombs because I forgot to put that in the yeah in the uh, uh, research notes here. Here it is. It's in my researchy research, though, not in the script. Mm. All right. We got the Great Fire of London. We got fucking Hitler. We got fucking Napoleon. We got Louis Pasteur's discoveries, apparently predicted by Nostradamus. The lost thing is discovered, hidden for many centuries. Pasteur will be celebrated uh, almost as a godlike figure. This is when the moon completes her great cycle. But by other rumors, he shall be dishonored. So I guess he predicted that Louis Pasteur. I mean, he was. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, here we go. The atomic bomb. This is the quatrain. The heavenly dart will stretch its course. Death in the speaking. A great achievement. The proud nation brought low by the stone in the tree. Rumors of a monstrous human. Bring purge. Then... Expiation. Hmm. So, yeah, those, I mean, those who escaped the blast obviously suffered long and painful radiation poisoning. Um, A stone in the tree could describe the shape of the mushroom cloud um, that engulfed the sky. Um, A great accomplishment would be that they could do that. It could also mean like the bomb is a stone falling from a mm-hmm. tree, falling from a place it shouldn't be. Um, death in the speaking, a great achievement. I mean, obviously, that's a great <laughs> way to describe creating a weapon this bad, like a great achievement, but also like it's death. I think um, something that I'm curious about or interested in is the fact that America – was not a nation, was in no way, shape, or form a going concern for a man who lived in France. Yeah. You know? And so it's kind of interesting. Though, like, this is maybe an issue that I have about looking back on this, like, from our lens, which is that nationalism, you know? So Americans Mm -hmm. are like, oh, this is talking about America. And it's like, he didn't even fucking, like, that wouldn't have even been a consideration. So it's kind of interesting that he's, like, listing specific countries and then saying the great nation in this one. Uh, probably referring to America. It's actually the proud nation. The proud nation. Which I believe refers to Japan because they would not okay, surrender. Okay, yeah. Until after the bomb and it was like, y- you don't have a choice, basically. Like, not surrendering means your country gets wiped off the fucking planet. It's just... I know that he made them cryptic for a lot of reasons, but I... I would personally say that they are too cryptic and allow too much interpretation for events that he cannot name or, like, list or things that are not going concerns, which is 
fine. Because I just mean, I mean, I say this in like terms of when I do readings, like past life readings or Akashic record readings, I'm like a lot of times I'm like, I don't, it's not real. Like what I am seeing, the country that I'm seeing, the events that I'm seeing are things that I am personally unaware of. So it's kind of interesting. I don't know the language there. I got to learn French so I can read these for myself. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I need to know. I, I think the translations also can be quite biased. Well, that's what I mean is that people are translating these in terms of like, well, what does this mean to us now? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like using that lens that he didn't have. And mm-hmm. that's kind of my issue with it. And there's no way to be like, hey – what like what was your specific vision? Like there's no I would I would have preferred this if he had written down the description and then giving the given the interpretation. But that's what I do. Is I'm like, this is what I'm seeing, this is how I interpret that. That's probably how his almanacs would go. Um Yeah, I don't know. It could be interesting. Uh, he also another American prediction is the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Um, the ancient task will be completed. From on high, evil will fall on the great man. A dead innocent will be accused of the de- of the deed. The guilty one will remain in the mist. So from on high, obviously he was shot from above. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the man accused of the crime, Lee Harvey Oswald, didn't live long enough to face trial. So uh, a lot of people believe Oswald didn't do it and that he was just a setup. Uh, a Dallas nightclub owner killed mm-hmm. uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. Like that night or the next mm-hmm. day while he was on the run. Yeah. So a lot of conspiracy theorists believe that that's a setup and Nostradamus justifies that conspiracy. Um According to a recent Gallup poll, 61% of Americans believe that Lee Harvey Oswald was not guilty and it was a conspiracy. So, what? Yeah. Apparently 61% of Americans believe that Lee Harvey Oswald did not shoot JFK and that it was a conspiracy from within to kill JFK. But I mean if you watch Umbrella Academy, if he doesn't die, we go to nuclear war with the Russians. So who knows? Um, hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I think that uh, people like to – I mean because people do this to me all the time. My clients are like, no, 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 you didn't didn't mean that or they just disagree with me. Like I'll be like, this person is not meant to be your forever. And they're like, "Mm, no. And I'm like, okay, let me know when that doesn't work out. I'll be here. It will be the (laughs) same price. I'm happy to do a reading for you when you come around. Because – but like people do like take it – I mean historically they take letters and things out of context and they shape things to mean what they want them to mean. And I think that these are too cryptic to be like, oh, yes, 100 percent. I mean some of them like the French Revolution one, that's – you can tell that's what it's referring to. Like Mm -hmm. just from my perspective. And the, the first translation that I read was an older translation. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one I read was a more recent translation and I did that so that you could see the contrast between like well how know, the language are, shapes what are, we're picking up yeah, on yeah are we projecting our own existing knowledge of history onto Nostradamus's predictions of the of the future from his time I think that's I think that's the thing that is um, tripping me up because I just feel like 
so many of his predictions were based in like trying. And when we watched the documentary or when we watched the movie, it was like him trying to legitimize himself and saying like the prediction of the death of the king was going to be the thing that like made him a real psychic that made people buy his books, which I get. But then wouldn't your predictions be centric to your nation, to what you're predicting and seeing? Because that's how you'd get people to buy books. You wouldn't be predicting about a nation that doesn't exist, let alone matter, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's a very, like, and when when they're translated into English, it's probably people who are doing it for American reasons, like, to look at it in American standards, especially with, like, the fucking crazy conspiracy bullshit that people, like, just will twist anything that is said into what they believe to be true. So, anyway. Anyway. Hot takes. Let's keep going on with this wildness, <laughs> okay. because I did say that Nostradamus predicted three antichrists. Yes. Okay. There's Napoleon, there's Hitler, and the third... Has yet to be revealed. Hmm. Or people say that it might be George Bush. Okay. Uh, others believed that it's Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that the Trump theory kind of makes sense because what is an antichrist but a literal false savior that leads you to your own doom? And supporters definitely treat Trump like he's some kind of messiah. I don't think Trump is going to matter. I've literally seen Trump's face like superimposed over Jesus, imposed like a saint on people's cars. <laughs> My favorite ones, though, are the fucking Terminator, the Trumpinator. Uh. <laughs> So bad. It's oh so my bad. God. <laughs> I don't I mean I think that that's really like again that's like a that is a thing that we're imposing over the top of it based on current events. Yeah. I do not think that Trump is important enough to be an antichrist because he's probably going to get assassinated and then it won't matter. Like I really don't think he's important enough. I think he's just an idiot. Um of of course the people followed Follow him like like a cult, way more than they ever did with Bush. Yeah, um, like this weirdness is is very recent, and I don't think the founding fathers could have predicted that presidents would become basically cult leaders that could stage a coup. I mean, would you Literally, have a reality star yeah. as a president? As as we're talking right now, like Trump has encouraged his supporters to break into Congress and eliminate the weak congressmen. Yeah, uh, so like. I don't think the founding fathers could have predicted that the president would be an idiot cult leader um, when they wrote the Constitution. Oh, uh, 19 minutes ago, CNN reported that the U.S. Capitol is secured after rioters stormed the halls of Congress to block Biden's win. I just read that from my Facebook news app. So this is like an active thing that's going on just anyway. right now as we're Yeah, recording. just right now. Um, like we're taking breaks to check the news. <laughs> however, people believe the war on terror is potentially predicted by Nostradamus. Mm-hmm. And the name of the third Antichrist will be uh, Mabus or Mabus, M-A-B-U-S. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people believe it's a combination of the names Obama and Bush, Ma-Bus. no. <laughs> I'm going to disagree with that yeah, one. Yeah, it's definitely like a tinfoil hat connecting the strings on the conspiracy board. Yeah, with the, kind the, of the cigarette being like, here. Here's the, here's the quatrain, though. <laughs> Mabus, then, will soon die. There will come of people and beasts a horrible rout. Then suddenly, one will seek vengeance. Hundred hand thirst hunger. When the comet shall run. And then the war. This is another quatrain. The Antichrist very soon annihilates the three. Twenty-seven years his war will last. The unbelievers dead, captive 
exiled, with blood, human bodies, water, and red hail covering the earth. I think that's predicting global warming. Yeah, you think those are the climate wars? Uh, does it not sound like it? Covered I mean, in water? The red hail? Uh, that's yeah, it, yeah. talking about humans and beasts? Like, why else? It, it has to be the climate wars, yeah. So a lot of people believe it's the war on terror. In se- September uh, 2021, the war on terror will have been going for 20 years. It is the longest war in American history. So seven more years and uh, maybe Bush will really be the Antichrist. Who knows? Um, that uh, certainly would be serendipitous. (laughs) But most people believe the third Antichrist is yet to be revealed. Yeah, I would have to say Mavis. Like, if you need to connect the dots and say that it's two people, that's not the prediction. The prediction is something specific. There is just, like, a congressman named, like, Ralph Mavis or something. (laughs) And he actually, he's just the one that's, like, steadily marching us towards doom. Just this random Republican congressman. He's the one guy that people say climate change isn't real, and everyone goes, Okay, master, climate change is not real. And then that's what kills all of us. <laughs> uh, Tucker Carlson? Um. Right. I'm just saying, I would say that that is referring to climate change and probably there's going to be a rise up of a specific leader who says that he can help and just leads everyone to doom. That would be my, that would be what I would take from that prediction. But I would say it has not come to pass. Mm, okay. I mean... We're getting there. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I it think It feels like it right now. Well, okay, but how many, like, this is what I've been thinking about over the last year, just, like, with the craziness of, like, the civil rights movement. Well, it's not civil rights. It's, like, the Black Lives Matter movement, which is civil rights. But just talking about how this country and America has always been viewed as, like, the stable thing. And I've been thinking a lot about how when I was growing up, when I was, like, learning American history, I believe that, like, America never had problems politically like there was like we had the one war and then there was then there was the civil war right and then since then it has been easy and smooth going and that everyone else in the world like because i actually have like this perception that there has not been political unrest in the world since like the early 1900s like i have like had this very strange indoctrinated belief but that there's been no political unrest that has existed in any country and then the more i think about it the more i'm like there's political unrest in almost every single country and like history is evolving as time evolves and it's not just in South America it's not just in communist countries where these things are becoming actively an issue they've always been a problem and America is reaching the point where we like are also having those political issues and like things are coming to a head because things are forced to change so with all of that it's kind of like I don't know it's been a really interesting uh, year thinking about how things have changed and how um how often do people in other countries feel like the world is ending? Think about all the coups that have happened in the Middle East and, and over the last 20 years. Think about all the coups the United States was part of in South America. Yeah, uh, no, I mean, that's what I mean is that there's all of this that's been happening. And just because we have a perception that, like, that hasn't affected us does not make that not real. And doesn't mean we aren't living through those things and that we haven't been living through these things just because we have our little bubble of, like, existing in America or wherever you're from that you're like, well, this is just my little bubble. This is where I live and that's the only thing that matters. And so then you don't have that input. Yeah. Progress is not always upward and inevitable. It can backslide. Oh, and it often does. I mean, that's history. That's what happened in 2016. And um, pretty much people were like, yeah, I'm not really interested in this weird whatever the fuck it is you're trying to do. And now we're having, you know, political coups. Like actively people are trying to coup the American government right now. 
Right now. And, like, the cops, it was funny because I was, like, watching a video of cops, like, taking selfies with these, like, people that have broken into Congress. I know. They've, like, broken, like, somebody has already been shot. Treason. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and the cops, just, and the cops are just like, oh, yeah, treason selfie. Gonna remember this one. I mean, I just, I think it's, I don't know. I think about how many times the world has ended in so many other countries and yet it kept going. And that's where we are and that's where we'll probably always be. Progress. Yeah. Now, let's talk about some of uh, the predictions of Nostradamus that were either hoaxes or misattributed. Okay. Uh, one of the documentaries I watched was the 2001 ID biography of Nostradamus. Do you remember the ID channel? Mm-hmm, I do. It was like an extra pay a little extra money for extended cable and you get this like documentary channel that's only biographies. My grandfather, when I lived with them for a summer, I like worked for a little cable company and I lived with my dad's parents parents for a summer and my grandfather and I would just sit and watch ID together. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> these a lot of these um, biographies are actually for free on their website that you can just like mm-hmm. watch them which is way cool. Uh, so <laughs> I watched it um, and even they at the end of their biography got this one wrong. Mm. Keep in mind this was the early days of the internet yeah. and so like fact checking on the internet was not quite a thing yet mm-hmm. which gave us some cool things like the Blair Witch Project but also gave us a a lot of misinformation. And Mm -hmm. then we kind of got a little better, and then it just got, like, way worse, Mm -hmm. especially during corona times. But here's here's the quatrain. In the city of God, there will be a great thunder, two brothers torn apart by chaos. While the fortress endures, the great leader will succumb. The third big war will begin. And the big city is burning. Okay. So they they believe that is 9-11. Like that is the prediction of 9-11. Two brothers torn apart by okay. chaos, the two towers. I've, I've heard that. You've, for, you've heard that before? Yeah, I've heard that Nostradamus predicted that with that quatrain, yes. Well, uh, Nostradamus didn't actually write that quatrain. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, it was written actually um, not by Nostradamus in the 1500s, but by a Canadian grad student in the late 90s. Um, Neil Marshall is his name, published an essay on Nostradamus and doomsday prophecies online. Like his like college essay, he just put it, used dial-up internet, mm-hmm. waited five hours for his one paper to upload so that people could read it online. Mm-hmm. And it was – uh, this this was in 1997, <laughs> so like it's very yeah. rudimentary internet, and there you know not a lot of fact checking. Uh, Marshall's point, like the point of his essay, was that any prophecy could be interpreted as true if it was written with vague sounding imagery that just seemed deep enough. I was gonna say, what is the city of God? What does that even mean? What, how would you be like – because I would not say that New York City is the city of God by any stretch of the imagination, nor would I imagine any person who is religious would do that. I think, Kate, this is the other thing about these prophecies that I am, I guess, drawn to talk about, which is that people will seek um, prophecy as a means of basically – 
supporting the things that happen to them. So if you go to a psychic and you're really struggling with a lot of stuff, you're basically going to someone to have them sort through all the chaos in your life and give you some sort of meaning. That's basically what psychics do is you just sit there and people are like, this is what's going on. Can you give me some ordered meaning around this? So people, I think, in Amer- well, I know people in America felt very like blindsided and confused about 9-11 and they were like there has to be some sort of greater ordinance or there has to be a reason for this to happen. So then you will find anything you can and cling on to that as a means of explaining and saying that there's some sort of divine provenance to what you're going through when that's like not how it fucking works. Like sometimes shit just happens. Not everything is a fucking sign from the universe and ordained by God. Sorry. (laughs) Fuck. Well, in 2001, his fake quatrain that he wrote is like an example of like <laughs> being vague enough that it could mean anything. Um, his was, was lifted used, yeah. was lifted from his paper, started to circulate in like chain emails on your Hotmail account, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was improperly attributed to Nostradamus. Mm. Um <laughs> How do you think he felt about that? He's probably like, yeah, I fucking know. It was both beautifully ironic and validated his point. Yeah. Or maybe, who knows, Neil Marshall of Brock University also had the gift of prophecy. Dude, let's track down Neil. I Like, if you guys know Neil, if any of you know Neil. Is he still alive? Uh, my email is laurelsoflux at gmail.com. There's a film Hook director named him. Neil Marshall. Maybe it's the same guy. I don't know. What's he? I do, no, I he went to, to he went to University of Northumbria, not mm. um yeah. But if anybody knows um scholar uh, from the nineties, Neil Marshall. Um <laughs> I just yeah, I would be I'm probably gonna have to find his paper and read it because I'm really intrigued by it. Now one of the earliest memes. So this was not the first time a Nostradamus was, you know, properly, mm. uh, improperly attributed. In one of the earliest memes, rudimentary meme times um, <laughs> in the year 2000, following the election of George W. Bush, another fake Nostradamus prediction began circulating online. Mm-hmm. Recent history buffs will recall that the election was an upset because Florida just didn't know how to fucking behave. Um, (laughs) They used this like hole punch voting system and some of the punches didn't go all the way through or some of them had just a little paper hanging. It was called a hanging chad. Um, Oh, no. And like it was a big deal. Everybody was so mad at Florida. Gore was demanding a recount. And I believe this was the last time that there were people in Congress that didn't vote to certify the election. I could be wrong. It could be 2005 was the last time we didn't, we'd had that. I'm so sorry. My hiccups are back. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. We'll see if we can contain them. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, God damn it. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, we will be back when uh, <laughs> Elle's hiccups have fucking subsided. <laughs> I'm going to make you drink out of the scrying bowl backwards. We are back and Elle has her hiccups under control. Maybe. We'll see. Mabus. Mabus they're under control. Uh, So, um, yeah, the the hanging chad, it was like a big deal. Everybody was so mad uh, as as a reaction to just 
This overwhelming stupidity, the likes of which has not been topped until 2016 and every day after that, <laughs> a fake Nostradamus quatrain began circulating about President-elect George W. Okay. Come the millennium, month 12, in the home of the greatest power, the village idiot will come forth <laughs> to be acclaimed the leader. <laughs> so this is a fake one? Yeah. Yeah. It was a meme. It was it was obviously it was a I joke. I mean, in all fairness, it sounds kind of like the brainless will whatever. Yeah, the the what brainless idiots will take this as divine prophecy. Yeah, prophecy, yeah, prophecy, um, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it was like a big deal. I remember like all through like junior high and high school, it was like um George W. Bush was like a C average student. And there was even a time where George Bush appeared like on TV that we had to like watch this like uh, after school special. And it was George W. Bush that was like, don't do drugs, kids. I did drugs once. And oh, really? I did cocaine. And you know what? I got better. And you can too. Okay. But hasn't like every president done cocaine? Like, wasn't that the thing that people were saying about Obama is that he did cocaine? Like, oh, no, he did weed. Oh, a weed? He did a weed. A weed? Pretty sure. And he smoked One cigarettes. One weed? One yeah. weed. Is that a weed? There's I'm a, calling the police. There's a hilarious Key and Peele bit of uh, uh, President Obama's college days, and he's like, pass me that blunt. And uh, the he's, like, talking about, like, political science and, like, how to create real change in America while he's just, like, smoking weed at a yeah, house party. And it's, yeah. it's excellent. Definitely it's check good. it out. Um, my quote was from a Vine. So if you got that Vine knowledge, you know what I was saying. Vine. I miss Vine every day. Every day. <laughs> so maybe George W. Bush, not the Antichrist, but uh, the village idiot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't – I just think that, you know, to compare George W. Bush to Napoleon and Hitler, I don't I – I'm just not there I on think it. Dick Cheney was the real evil behind a lot of, a lot of the post-9-11 evil shit. Yeah, I just, I mean, I think I'm going to be really honest and probably give everyone a hot take. I feel like in order for people have to have a lot more control over their government than what is available in America to the president, which is like something that we've seen over and over again with with, with Hitler. I was just called Trump Hitler straight up, uh, which is something that we've seen over and over again with Trump and like that we see now. Fucking Pence is like, I'm not going to deny votes or flip votes to keep us in office. That's not going to happen. Like, people are like, I get it. You're upset. Fucking grow up. Unless you're, you know, a senator in Utah, in which case, like, I guess, fuck it. Or if you're the attorney general and then you get booed and then you get quarantined for COVID. And I don't feel bad for that. I think our idiot politicians uh, are very representative of the idiot people that live here. No, right. Exactly. (laughs) But I just I think that it takes a lot more than what Bush or Trump have access to to be like the true antichrist. It's Mm going to be something much worse than that and something a lot more powerful to compare like someone like that to Hitler is, I think, really fucking off base. Hmm. Um, where are we? Oh, yeah. So this this next quatrain is from 2012, and I think it's the most hilarious one. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> this the potentially fake quatrain. I can't remember if this is a real Nostradamus quatrain, and the reaction to it was a hoax, or if the quatrain itself is also fake. Okay, but from the calm morning. 
the end will come, when of the dancing horse the number of circles will be nine. So this is one of those like end of the world prophecies, right? The the world we're in or like the big ending. Uh-huh. Um, but specifically, it is believed <laughs> – it's circulated in 2012 that this quatrain was about the song Gangnam Style by <laughs> Korean pop artist Psy. Uh, Psy is from South Korea, which has the nickname Land of the Calm Morning, which is the first land mm-hmm. of the quatrain okay. from the calm morning. Yeah. Uh, the dancing horse obviously refers to the music the video. Gallop, the gallop, yeah. The gallop dance move that they do. And the number of circles is the number of views on YouTube. So when the music video for Gangnam Style reached one billion views, nine zeros, the number of circles will be nine, the world would end. I – you cannot see my face, but trust me that I just rolled my eyes so <laughs> much at that. Like that's not – y'all, it's not that fucking serious. It's just not. <laughs> and like I remember at the time like there was – this was the joke circulating and – uh there were people who were like, we've got to get more views on Gangnam Style so that the world will end. So, and then there were other people that were like, stop watching Gangnam Style. The world will end. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. as, as of this recording, Gangnam Style has 3.8 billion views. And, you know, maybe that was the beginning of the end. Yeah. Despite despite our best efforts, the world is still turning. Despite everything, kind it's of. still you. Uh-huh. I really think that global warming is going to be the thing, and Mavis is going to do something anyway. And of course, uh, we all want to know if Nostradamus predicted COVID nineteen. Uh, plagues were, you know, kind of his thing. Like plagues were important to Nostradamus. Yeah. So you would think that even even though you know. It's not France specific. It's global. Mm-hmm. That he would have predicted COVID nineteen, and some people actually um, misattributed a COVID nineteen prediction to Nostradamus. Um, let me let me find that. I think that got lost in my notes. And uh, yeah, so I'm going to read this prediction. In around 2020, a severe pneumonia-like illness will spread throughout the globe, attacking the lungs and the bronchial tubes and resisting all known treatments. Almost more baffling than the illness itself will be the fact that it will suddenly vanish as quickly as it arrives, attack again 10 years later, and then disappear completely. So how could people possibly think that was a Nostradamus um, prediction when it is not in any way, shape, or form cryptic? It's That's, not a quatrain. Yeah. There's no imagery. It's clearly written. It's just a prediction. Not translated. Yeah. It's it's a very – that sounds like something that someone would just say. But most people just know Nostradamus is a guy who makes predictions and they don't know any of the context. Yeah. Even, even just like the surface level amount. Um, and so it was just like this spread with an image of Nostradamus and like an atomic bomb in the background of him uh, <laughs> on, I guess, Boomer Facebook. I don't yeah. know. Uh, but that prediction was actually made in 2008 by <laughs> Sylvia our dear friend. fucking Brown. If you recall from our psychometry episode, uh, Sylvia Brown 
had like a psychic show, like a psychic morning show, and would tell parents that their missing children are dead even when they weren't. Um, and I ripped into her. <laughs> yeah, she was the subject of a lot of criticism uh, for offering the greedy, grieving parents of missed children false information. But she predicted the COVID. Honestly, this prediction is a little scary um, that like in 2008. But I, I guess 2008, we had things like SARS and like H1N1. Yeah, we've had quite a few pandemics or like large, like larger spreading Like um, Like diseases. scares. We've yeah. had like scares, right? Like the bird flu, I think, was the first one that I really remember being scary. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's as as describing the coronavirus is baffling, um, but it is in in a lot of ways. But I think the baffling thing about COVID nineteen is not that it's an influenza-like virus that's hard to, like, pin down exactly what it is. I think what's baffling is our stupidity in reacting to it is what's absolutely baffling. I, you know, if we we can just, like, look at countries uh, like Australia and New Zealand that, like, did the things and, you know. What, what was the joke from Death to 2020? Like, a new virus was discovered that baffled scientists and then double downed on that by killing them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, when RJ was doing research for Nostradamus, he was like, do you think he's the goat? And I was like, you know who I think is the goat? Whoever predicted COVID. Because I know, and myself included, a really, really great psychics. And all of us, every single one of us, like even in stuff with my business, I kept getting the tower card. And if you're not into tarot, the tower card is like sudden and abrupt change, but it's super necessary. It's a leveling of everything. Not always a bad thing, but just a thing that like brings really, really quick change. And I was getting the tower card fucking constantly in my business. And like all of the psychics that I employed, all the people that were contracting for me were like, I don't know what it is, but it's a thing coming. Like everyone felt like when they were looking into 2020, it was hard to see what was going to happen, um, which happens when there's stuff that's kind of circulating that you don't, that you can't see settling or that you can't see changing. All of us kind of, you can't, uh, if there's nothing to predict or if it's something that you can't understand, you're not going to be able to see beyond it. So I was like, whoever predicted COVID, that's a real psychic, that's the GOAT. I still don't think that Sylvia Brown is the GOAT. Like, I refuse yeah, to, like, put my stamp of repro- approval on it. But it is kind of a freaky prediction. It'll be interesting yeah. to see if it happens that way. Definitely a freaky prediction. And, uh, you know, I was looking at the Snopes for it because that's where I find a lot of these hoax- yeah. hoaxes. And I was like, mixture. What do you mean mixture? I was like, yes, this was a real psychic prediction uh, that happened before 2020. No, it wasn't Nostradamus, though. Uh, and I was oh. like, oh, shoot. Oh, Sylvia Brown. <laughs> Has Sylvia Brown said anything about I think she's COVID? Dead. I think she's dead. I don't think she's alive anymore. I'm going to do some research on that one and see what we can find out. Yeah, she died in 2013. Oh, really? Yeah. Now I feel bad for talking shit on, like, a dead woman, but that's okay. You know what? Uh, dead people can't sue you for defamation, so go ahead. Um. <laughs> Sad. Sylvia Brown Group, Inc. Novus Spiritus Prayer Chain. Church of Novus Spiritus. Featuring psychic author Chris Dufresne. Son of world, renowned psychic and spiritual healer, Sylvia Brown. Oh, it's her son. Oh. 
Her son's like, just picking up the family business. I... Holy shit, that's so gross. That her son was like, you know what I'm going to do? Use my dead mom's... Clout. And just take over her fucking website. It's her website. And the first thing is just a picture of him. And it says book a reading before it at all acknowledges Sylvia Brown. He looks like a psychic Mr. Clean. Um, <laughs> he has like, like a new age Mr. Clean. He does. I mean, I think that he looks a little down to earth. He's got like this blue, white and blue plaid on. Uh, book a reading, a greeting from Chris, remembering Sylvia. The fucking all of the social media is psychic Chris Dufresne. Um, but Sylvia Brown did have the book of uh, called The End of Days mm-hmm. and That's a high the one demand that had the prediction. Uh, now available a high demand for the reprint of the book End of Days by Sylvia Brown. Get your audio mm-hmm. autographed copy. Did she have like autographed copies? No, in the... Chris will personally sign Chris each copy sign purchased oh in absence God. of our beloved Sylvia. Limited quantity and fucking like, oh, that's really disturbing to me. I'm really, really disturbed by this, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what do you expect, though? Um, I, I like have... I'm so frustrated by my industry in so many ways. And it's so hard to see people who want to do legitimate good um, be overshadowed by fucking people like Chris who's going to take over his dead mom's website to bring like – and he, he, she's probably like – this is well. He probably thinks that this is inheritance. Is like inheriting like this name. They don't even have the same last name. They don't even have the same last name. I fucking hate this. Anyway, I'm offended. If anyone wants to know how I feel about <laughs> Sylvia Brown, I am now offended by her son. So <laughs> <laughs> that's where we're at. Oh, uh, you want to ring the? <laughs> we'll just. Yeah, there's been a lot of those. We, we had a lot of rings here, yeah, a lot of today. hot takes. But Nos- okay. Nostradamus is a big dude, and we might talk about Nostradamus more in the future. Um, yeah. But uh, so did Nostradamus predict COVID-19? Well, there's that Sylvia Brown hoax, uh, but mm-hmm. there are a couple of quatrains which may correlate to COVID-19. Okay. Um, there's a, another fake that's been circulating. Um Especially in March 2020, there was like this conspiracy theory um, as like the conspiracy theory pot of COVID-19 and early in like March 2020 started to really get stirred. The first thing that always happens is fucking people whip Nostradamus out of their asshole and write a fake quatrain. <laughs> yeah. Um, so same picture of Nostradamus with like the atomic bomb behind him. Uh <laughs> But we tried to like watch some documentary that we found on YouTube that was just like it was bad. A very like Nostradamus in fifteen hundred and his stock footage and it just was like the worst. Yeah, like butterflies and the atomic bomb and a lot of clocks. There were a lot of clocks. Like, why do you need so many imagery? It's you know what, whatever. (laughs) So the fake quatrain that circulated in early March twenty twenty was, I guess, late March was. There will be a twin year, 2020, from which a queen will arise, Corona, Spanish for crown, who will come from the East China. Uh, And these parentheses are in like the actual meme. Okay. uh, And who will spread a plague 
virus, in the darkness of night, on a country with seven hills, Italy, and will transform the twilight of men into dust, death, excuse me, to destroy and ruin the world. It will be the end of the world economy as you know it. So it's a fake quatrain? Well, first off, it's not a quatrain at all. Yeah. Um, like... It's not four lines. Um, it's not in verse. Uh, it tries to, like, do the image thing where it pretends to be deep using images. But, yeah, it doesn't, though, because it's really obvious. And I would say that his other stuff is not super obvious. And uh, Nostradamus definitely, like, didn't write. There's no evidence in any of the almanacs or anything in Le Prophecies. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. No. <laughs> more, more Nostradamus internet bullshit. If you read something that Nostradamus said, why don't you go ahead and snopes that real yeah, quick and yeah. then you can figure out if he actually said it. Yeah, however, that doesn't necessarily mean Nostradamus didn't predict COVID-19. Right. There are a few quatrains that people are looking at saying that this might be the COVID prediction. Okay. Um in the feeble lists, great calamity throughout America and Lombardy. The fire in the ship, plague and captivity. Mercury in Sagittarius, Saturn warning. So he did know about America. Yes. Uh, I mean, 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Um, so. Like they knew about the American continent, but it wasn't settled. Then uh, other predictions that have to do with America, then why would they not say the country's name in them? Um, I don't know. To be cryptic. No, like, he doesn't do that in other ones. He mentions the names of the country. You can't just, okay, no, okay, this, mm -mm, mm-mm, 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 like, from a writing perspective, if he's making predictions about America, as it is in that quatrain, that will be consistent in every single prediction he makes. Otherwise, he wouldn't mention it. That is an inconsistency in how it is written. And America, his time, is very like this kind of like mysterious yeah. kind of thing. Where that it's nobody like, really knows. Maybe it's a secret pathway to like get spices from India, you know. Or maybe it's just this country that will someday rule the world with uh, manpower and war. Um, it's fine. So I would say uh, if you're looking at Nostradamus and you're a fucking uh, – I don't know, a scholar doing that. If it doesn't mention America by name since he's done it one time, that should be the consistent thing that you look for in reference to. Anyway. So uh, I will say, though, that uh, Mercury entered Sagittarius in December 2019. And Saturn is very unhappy. Well, Saturn went into Aquarius, which is actually when it started. So that was one of the big things that people have talked about consistently with Saturn moving into Aquarius this year, which I know I've talked about a fuck ton. Um, but Saturn retrograded back from Aquarius into Capricorn. And actually, Saturn moved into Aquarius the first time that COVID hit, the first time it became a big deal in March 2020. Yeah, uh, that was when the first lockdowns were. Yes, that was when the first lockdowns were. So then it moved, it retrograded through Capricorn. Like, so it went backwards, right? Because that's what retrograde means. It goes backwards. So it retrograded back through Aquarius into Capricorn, back out of Capricorn in through Aquarius and move forward now. So now we're back into Aquarius. So that was one of the big things that people have said is that it's going to get a lot worse. And Dr. Fauci and a lot of different doctors have predicted that January is going to be the absolute peak of COVID because there aren't enough vaccines and because there's a lot of spread from um, 
Christmas. Oh, the holidays. Yeah. So that's something that's really interesting because Saturn really is unhappy. So that is a very that would be a prediction that I would attribute to being COVID. That's what I would look at and say, yes, that's COVID. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see where. Oh, yeah. The fire in the ship could be a reference to the Diamond Princess and the other cruise ships. Oh, yeah. That, Fuck. that were infested with COVID. Oh, my God. COVID. I was um, actually on a cruise, like, right. Like, we got back. We yeah. were exposed. I, I remember talking to you, <laughs> and I was like, why the fuck are you on a cruise right I, now? Well, I went on a psychic development cruise. And so there's a woman who's just a really, really fabulous psychic that I've gone to a lot of her classes, and she's, like, one of my mentors. And she put together, like, a little psychic cruise. And so and that was, that mom was and December I went, or January? It was February. 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 So it was it was at the time where everybody was like, ah, it's just another virus in yeah, Asia. Yeah, this isn't a big deal. Stop worrying about it. Yeah. And so, but like, even even then, when I hear about that, I'm like, okay, no cruises. Um. Well, so my mother is in the health industry, and so she was watching the news and kind of really watching it because it's her profession to do that. And literally, my mom and I both have to work. Like we can both work remotely, but we both needed to work because we manage things. Um, and so we like when we went on the cruise, my mom got like unlimited data and the like cruise ship package for our cell phones and I remember because obviously I just mentioned like how like strict my eating is and so she was like you need to pack enough food that if we get stuck on this cruise ship you are going to be okay because we do not know what food we will have access to so this was literally a conversation my mother and I had she'd like taken some masks from the hospital that she works at and I remember we got off the cruise ship and things started getting scarier and scarier we were on the cruise ship when Italy went into lockdown and a lot of the people who who are working on this ship are like foreign nationals. They aren't from America because they have different labor laws on cruise ships. So they can't like they don't let Americans work on cruise ships because they can't abuse them is basically the way that the cruise industry works. So if you're ever wondering, it's not a good scene. Anyway, a lot of people um, on the cruise ship, like a lot of the workers that we had made friends with were like, oh, I get to go home, but I can't go through Italy. And we have like all these lockdowns and all this stuff that needs to happen on the way. And we got off of the ship and we had to go through customs. And I remember that there was this box of gloves and my mom and I stole gloves from the U.S. Customs agents so we could have them as we traveled. And we flew through JFK. And two days after we got home, we'd gotten an email from the cruise line that said that we had actually been exposed to COVID. There were three workers on the pier who put us on the ship that after we had gotten off of the ship tested positive for COVID. And one, and this was like the time when people thought that you couldn't spread it without symptoms. They're like, oh, if you don't have symptoms, you can't spread it. You have to have symptoms in order for it to be infectious. Anyway, yes, I will never forget that. Trip, I will never forget any of that. I remember because we had BBC, which is something we don't have in America traditionally. And I was watching footage of them like in hazmat suits, lowering down food onto like the mini golf part of the ship. Uh, yeah, the diamond I, princess. My mother and I just sat in the room and we were just like, this is really fucking bad. I hope we get <laughs> anyway, yes, the fire on the cruise ships. That was a that was a problem. That was a really scary part of it. Everything has been scary with COVID though. Yeah, so that could be a potential Nostradamus quatrain. I think it was translated with bias though. Yeah, I'm sure. Um because America could also just mean like he could have written something like New Continent. Yeah, or... that's that's what I don't like I would I need to look at these and have some sort of consistency surrounding the use of um countries that he's predicting if you're a french podcast listener please uh, no seriously please shoot me a dm i would love to have a conversation about this uh, laurels of lux on twitter yeah at laurels of lux hit me up uh 
Now, I know that that's, you know, that's at least closer to what a real Nostradamus quatrain is mm-hmm. like uh, because it's so vague. It could be about a ton of things. Yeah. But, hey, Nostradamus is supposed he's the goat uh, when it comes to divination. <laughs> yeah. So perhaps he did predict COVID. Um, perhaps uh, he saw it and didn't understand what he was looking at. Um, yeah. But... I think Nostradamus's legacy, like his first legacy of being just the best plague doctor. Um, I think that carries a lot of weight. It does. And I think it carries a, a, a lot of lessons from history for us mm-hmm. to be like, like this was like the the homie that you'd want treating you in the plague. Mm-hmm. And people would not listen to him. He was expelled uh, because he was talking nonsense about washing your hands. Um, yeah. And people just would not listen. Um, and there was, of course, like the religious propaganda of like flagellate yourself. <laughs> it's just wild to think about that. I think the other thing that I kind of resonate with um, with Nostradamus is that I – and I'm I don't really work with people unless like if people need a therapist, they need a therapist. They don't need a psychic, they need a therapist. If you need to be on medication, probably go get on medication. Like if you've got anxiety so fear so severe that you cannot sleep at night, go be on medication. Um and a psychic will not and cannot, nor can crystals, replace actual fucking medical care. Stop thinking they can. They won't. They can't. I work alongside other like practitioners. I tell my clients to get a therapist and get a psychiatrist and I'm happy to fill in like the spiritual portion of that. So I really believe in science. I'm a big proponent of science. I'm a big proponent of like utilizing the medicine that we have access to. I don't think that we should like think that cancer is fake and then just sit at home and die slowly of cancer. I feel like there's a lot of things that we can do to prevent those things from happening. And that's something that really frustrates me. I feel like over and over again is this feeling of like Nostradamus's fucking bastardized verses and people misattributing things or people fucking making it up. And like, it's just, I don't know. It's hard. This feels very futile for me. This story just feels so familiar and I feel so futile that my work will never mean anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, people just like take things and run with it, like with Virgil becoming yeah. this weirdo wizard, um, you know. So, and he just wanted his shit burned. He just wanted it to be burned when he died. And so people just like Nostradamus has this like mystery and credibility attached to his name. So people attribute things like Sylvia Brown to Nostradamus um, just to give more weight to the supposed prophecy or to add credibility yeah. to themselves. And that's, I mean, I think the thing is, is if we ask, if we sat down and we had a conversation with the people who shared um, Nostradamus's whatever, just like his verses from earlier this year predicting COVID or people who predicted 9-11 with it, whatever. If we sat down and we said, is COVID real? Yes or no? They would say no. I think and that's the fucking crazy thing because credibility for him is based off of him being a fucking scientist. I think the numbers were like 50 50- percent or somewhere in the 50 percentile region of Americans believe that COVID was created in a Chinese lab is like a big conspiracy. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, you know, having like having no evidence and feel in being in a position where you feel like you can't gather evidence makes you just like take whatever you can get and you just misattribute Nostradamus to like validate this belief that you have. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't. Know. I think. I think maybe I'm having like a reaction because I'm feeling like this is. This is. I mean, this is my destiny. It feels like this is nothing I do will ever matter because even if I become famous like Nostradamus, if I write an entire book of prophecies, um, I'm going to be dead, fucking looking down on humans and realizing that it doesn't matter because people will twist whatever I say into whatever it, they want it to mean for the rest of my life. Also, and speak, forever. <laughs> speaking of Book of Prophecies, have you read Good Omens or seen the? the I have tried to read Good Omens. We should watch times. it. We should. It's only like four. It's a mini series on mm-hmm. Amazon. We should watch it. It's really good. And there's Agnes Nutter's book of complete and true accurate prophecies, and it's mm-hmm. the only book of prophecy where everything is accurate. And she wrote it specifically to thwart the end of the world rather than just predict it. Uh, uh, and it's brilliant. So this has been strangely rolling around in my brain. If I can share a weird like about how you can, as a psychic, you think that you know something, and then it's actually something different for another for your client. Can I share that? Yeah. So, um, I do like Etsy readings. I get a bunch of readings. I probably do about twenty readings a week. I would say, kind of on an average week, I do about twenty readings. So, I had someone who I've got, I've done readings for her before, and she was asking about her work life and was asking specifically about soul contracts between two people that she works with. One's her superior, her boss, and the other one's kind of. She doesn't directly answer to her, but she's underneath the boss. And so I was, like, doing this reading, and I kept hearing the name Bob. And I was like, I don't like these people that you're working for. There's a guy named Bob. Like, Robert, Bob, something like that. I don't I don't know who Bob is. I don't know who Robert is. But that's – I just keep hearing that. And she messaged me today, and she was like – uh well, there's no one named Bob, but there's a robot, like scientific robot section in my work. Because I had said, whatever Bob is, whoever Bob is, that's where you need to look. You need to get in with him and you need to use that for a career. So I was hearing the name Bob and it was referring to robot, like Rob. So anyway, interesting. Would you like to be a pepper too? Sorry, that just reminded me of the old 80s movie with the robot. Um, yeah. Also... Nintendo created a robot named Rob who played with you on the original Nintendo Entertainment System. Oh, that's And he's cute very cute. That. And he's a, and they put him as a fighter in Smash Bros. And people were like, who's this? And I was like, you uncultured swine. That's Rob. Oh, okay. Here, I'm going to just read part of this message. Um, the person Bob slash Robert you mentioned is not a person but the robot development department. I have just started part-time in the robot development section under a new leader, which is quite another personality than the boss I have now. Thanks again for your reading. Oh. So that was just an interesting, like, that's an example of, like, how a psychic can see or hear one thing and it can mean something different. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, now – it's time to do some more hydromancy yeah. with Monster Hydro. Monster Energy Drink. Monster Jam. No, where's um, Henry Zabrowski with his <laughs> with his hardcore whatever guitar riff that he does? I need that in my life right now. So, um, why Monster Energy Drink? Please tell me. Um, so I wanted to use Monster for the meme, of course. <laughs> um, but there's a video of this hardcore Christian lady that went viral a while ago. Um, that she's at a booth at some sort of convention specifically to tell the world that Monster Energy Drink was created by Satanists for the purposes of worshiping the devil and spreading Satanism. Uh, she was – she – was wrong about mostly everything, but maybe not totally off base. So for starters, the monster logo with the three slash marks. Yeah. Right there. 
Um, so it's like an M, but it's like claw marks. But those claw marks actually look like Hebrew numerals, specifically the letter slash number Vav. And there and Vav is six. Okay. And there's three slashes. So there's Vav three times, making it six six six, 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 the number of the beast, which fits the slogan of monster, unleash the beast. Uh, the O in the monster has a line through it, and the top of the O is weirdly flattened. Like if you turn it, look at the back, and you see how the O is like flattened. Yeah, on the top. That's weird. I will admit that is weird. But she says that that is a crucifix. Um, it does look like a cross. Like a cross. But I think that's just actually – that's just the fucking the font. font. <laughs> like, that's just how they made it. You know yeah. why? Because it looks like – off kilter and kind of funky and like speaks to the brand. Yeah, it's so, branding, bitch. <laughs> so when you tip the can upside down, the cross is inverted. And, she and you said, know what? Bottoms up. The devil and the devil laughs. laughs. Bottoms up and the <laughs> devil laughs. Please go look up the YouTube video of this crazy woman. It's hilarious. It is hilarious. And I think she did a, a web redemption yeah. when Tosh.0 was a thing. Um, and in reality, though, uh, the monster logo, while it does look like the Hebrew uh, numeral Vav, Hebrew numerals don't work like the Arabic numerals that we use. You can't just create a number by repeating a numeral. It's m- a little more like Roman numeral where you read it as like a script. So reading the number six thrice does not make 666. Uh, if it was actually 666, it would have been spelled out as uh, Tav, Resh, Samech, Vav. But uh, hey, it's possible that the edge lords at Monster Energy Drink were still trying to do the six 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 thing, but we're just really bad at Hebrew. I, well, I mean, <laughs> I wonder if it could be. Um, probably they had someone who was Jewish and knew Hebrew, like on their staff, and they were like, you know, it'd be cool. But like, just fucking with people. I bet someone was just like, you know, what we're gonna do fuck with people. I mean, they're kind <laughs> of an edgy brand, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, the while the top of the O is flattened, and that I mm, admit that is a little weird. weird, but actually, an O with a vertical line through it is the Greek letter phi, which predates Christianity and has nothing to do with Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I had to guess why they were using um, the phi symbol in the monster logo, it could be possibly that phi represents a symbol. For free energy and mutant proteins. It's like a mm. biology thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it represents like tons of fucking shit. Um, when, you, when you look up the symbol for phi. Um, I don't quite under, understand what the biology thing is. But free energy sounds like a monster thing. And they could have Googled it and just been like, yeah, it works. Uh, <laughs> regardless of reality, though, uh, there are those that insist that monster is the beverage of the Antichrist. Regardless <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Will you say that again? Regardless of what? Regardless of reality. Regardless um, of reality. Um, I feel like so many people should just have that as like their Facebook bio. Yeah. Regardless of reality, Trump is great or something yeah, re- like that. Regardless of reality, we won the election by a lot. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're beating COVID. Regardless We're- of reality, I am a stable just, genius. Just, uh, just look Look at the papers, okay? Okay? Like, fucking Trump. Okay, anyway. We're just, we're, like, upset today. It's okay. Uh, So, uh, is the beverage of the Antichrist, according to these hardcore Christians. So, since Nostradamus predicted a third Antichrist, perhaps Mabus is actually monster energy drink. (laughs) (laughs) 
No. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, but uh, let's find out. Let's give it a shot. Let's do some hydromancy or rather monstermancy uh, with uh, this purple monster hydro. It's a uh, purple passion is the flavor. And it is like a caffeinated Gatorade monster hydro. And uh, I'm not going to lie. Fucking love it. I fucking love Monster. It smells I f- really I good. I fucking love uh, Monster. Is not sponsoring this, but the Monster Mule, the ginger ale monster. Chef's kiss. Fucking love it. Uh, I'm also super addicted to energy drinks, uh, and it's a problem. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's actually true. That's reality. <laughs> All right. This reading is for Pressman, who is one of my poet friends. And Pressman just wants a general reading for how 2021 is going to go. Okay. So I have to say – um, one of the things that makes hydromancy and specifically water scrying easier is that the water clings to the bowl in ways. So when I look into it, when I do water, it creates very specific patterns that kind of move as you move the bowl. This uh, liquid, this monster, <laughs> this is these, sludge. It's it's just more opaque than water, so it's really like way more reflective. Do you need so. Do you need light? I don't think any light. It's just going to be kind of similar to like mirror scrying kind of a thing. Mm. Just give a little looky loo. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing that I see or the first thing that I'm getting is a relationship, like romantic relationship feels like a really big deal for you this year. That just feels like a big thing that's going to be a huge focus for you. Um, I don't necessarily see that as a good or a bad thing. It just feels like a thing that's going to take up a lot of energy. So if you're not interested in spending time doing that this year, then it's really important that you extricate yourself or that you make some choices that will help free up that space. Because as I said before, it doesn't feel necessarily good or bad, but it definitely feels like it's taking up a lot of energy that sometimes you would rather not be putting into it. So if you're not really sure what relationship that would be or how that would look, I would be wary of new partners. Or if you're not really trying to get wrapped up in all of that, I would be extra, extra wary of new partners um, and just kind of their impacts on you and like just energetic impacts. It feels like a year of um, maybe personal setbacks, but career growth. I feel like career growth is going to be a big thing for you this year if you make a choice to err towards that instead of into romantic relationships because it feels like, again, those romantic relationships and it. And I don't know that it, it I'm sorry. I'm saying relationships as in plural, but it feels like the same person. It feels like entering and exiting a romantic relationship over and over again. It feels super, super cyclical. If you have an ex that you just continuously repeat the same cycles with, I can definitely see that being a big thing. But it feels to me like you can just switch out of that. Like you can just move away from that and focus more on career stuff. Um, I do know that there's been some career stuffs that stuffs that you've had questions about or that you've been looking at. And that feels awesome. That feels like there's a lot of really solid movement. It feels like there's um, um, just opportunities. And I'm seeing just kind of open, like wide open skies, open opportunities. I am seeing performance and I'm seeing um, 
high physicality performance. I'm seeing that being a really big thing for you this year, and that feels like that's going to be a really important way for you to work out some... I don't want to say aggression, but like pent up energy or pent up tension of like getting that out or getting that, expressing that, like having some sort of external force for that, which feels really great to me. And it feels like that's going to be like a really large source of happiness for you. So it feels like in your professional life, there's going to be a lot, there's going to be a lot of wins in your professional life. And there's going to be a lot of like stagnancy in your romantic life. If you choose that, if you don't choose that, like there's an opportunity, there's several opportunities for you to be like, you know what this is? This is bullshit. And I don't want to be involved in it anymore and just kind of moving that relationship around or like redirecting your focus towards something that you would actually like to be focused on. Um, if it, uh, sorry, I'm just checking other areas. So family feels like a like a moderately sized focus for you this year, but it all feels really positive. It just feels like solid reconnection. So a lot of this year is going to be um, based in, um, okay, a lot of this year, sorry, is going to be based in uh, romantic relationships, professional relationships, and really not even professional relationships, but just your profession. It just feels like you really out there paving the way, making shit happen for you if you choose to put your energy in that. The other thing I just saw in the bowl slash when I closed my eyes was um, someone sitting cross-legged. So I feel like meditation and mindfulness is going to be a huge thing for you this year that if you're not actively practicing mindfulness or you're not actively doing meditation and other things that kind of centers your energy on you or helps you um, focus on energy a little bit better, you have to integrate that. You have to. It's going to be like a non, uh, that's like a non, what am I trying to say? Um, Non-negotiable. You have to have that. Otherwise, like things are going to get a lot more difficult for you. And it feels like you really need that unwind time um, with your work being so physical. It just feels like just being physically exhausted or feeling like you need to have some sort of way to pull yourself back together after work, after um, I'm hearing matches. You just have to have some sort of way to like recenter your energy and pull it back in to what you're doing. Otherwise, like sleep is going to be hard for you or focusing outside of work is going to be really difficult. So making sure that you have some way to um, separate yourself from your work. And that feels like having a routine or a ritual that you do once you're done with work that's like, okay, now work is over. And that could be like a shower that you do, or it could be a simple meditation, a five-minute meditation, going for a walk after work, something like that to kind of get rid of that energy so you can be more centered on things that you're doing feels really good to me. Um, The liquid in the bowl is like kind of has this like silver lining around it. So it's like a big year of silver linings of kind of going through turmoil, especially romantically, um, but seeing the silver lining in that in each step of the way. And as you get to the end of the year, having a lot of silver lining of a lot of like, oh, all this shit was bad but we had some pretty good stuff here so yeah i think that's all i have well pressman uh i hope that reading was uh helpful Mm -hmm. uh pressman uh is in my D D group we're doing a uh, campaign that takes place in a uh, giant Ikea, like an Ikea the size of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like you f- it's an Ikea that when you enter it, it's like another dimension that's only an Ikea. Mm. And uh, my character that I play is a disgraced scientist who has just been living in Ikeas around the country, uh, hiding from his shady past. 
He's a ranger who specializes in retail spaces as his territory. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. It's going to yeah. be a good campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, but while you were looking in there, did you see Mabus? Did, did you hear the devil laugh? No. No? No, I didn't. I mean, to be honest, so RJ and I have kind of talked about this, about how, like, scrying is basically just giving you something to look at so you can override your initial sight. So it's pretty much like, okay, that's great. Let me just go ahead and read. (laughs) So it wasn't, I don't know, I didn't see the devil or anything in the water. I literally see the reflection of my microphone. Yeah, well, uh... That's, and myself. That's good. We've gotten some douchey ghosts come through before, so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we have varying Dude, uh, the, results. The Antichrist is just like. Uh, Jeremy. Uh, uh, Jeremy. Or, or, what was the ghost, the mean one? Emily? Emily. Or just a dude named Kyle who like punches the drywall and like shotguns cans of monster <laughs> is Mavis. Just like the really aggressive, like punching through and doing like the beer shotgun of, <laughs> of the monster. Yeah. No, I don't see anything like that. I just, whatever the romantic relationship thing is, bruh, like you got to get that under control or figure it out because it's it taking up too much energy and too much time. When the Antichrist comes, he will be heralded by a Subaru WRX and add <laughs> vape clouds. Uh. RJ was like, that's great. I'm on this bit. Let me do the bit. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Hit us up on Patreon and Elle will do a reading for you for being a Patreon supporter using whatever divination method we're covering. Patreon.com slash Mansi. And if you like the show, please share with your friends. The more support we have, the more episodes we can make. If you like my writing, you can pick up books of poetry and even do commissions at rjwalkerpoet.com. If you wanted to get a reading from me, you can find me on my Etsy shop, which is Laurels of Lux. You can also find me on Twitter at Laurels of Lux. If you wanted to make a one-time donation, you can send that to Venmo at Dollar Compliments. That goes to me. Be sure to list that it's for Mancy, so I don't just think that you're doing me a nice. He will literally be like, cool, money, and then, you know, yeah, yeah. so uh, list in there. And if you say it's for Mancy, I will pull a tarot card for you, I will call it the wrong thing, and I will give you a fake reading. Yeah, that's honestly, uh, RJ's fake readings are pretty good. They're pretty good. Like, ah, uh, looks like you got too many sticks, guy. Too many sticks, guy. Better drop some of your sticks. You're probably carrying a lot of sticks, so drop a stick or two, mm. and you'll be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh no, you got nightmare swords. Fuck, maybe try melatonin. It's um. <laughs> not a bad idea. <laughs> the music was provided by, in order of appearance, Hayden Fulker, Arthi Vinke, Miyu, and Scott Buckley. And now I'm going to drink the rest of this uh, Monster Hydro. <laughs> <laughs>